The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done. Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. When all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Last week we reflected on the Magi, the sage, wise astronomers following the star, coming to worship the baby Jesus. What it means to give our lives in worship of Jesus, living out our calling as people of prayer, following his way of suffering as we point the way of light, of hope, in what, yes, can be, yes, a dark world. Magi literally means the more, and there is always a sense we are seeking this more and more. As we look to this new year ahead with that sense, always, I think, in a new year of a new beginning, Whatever it brings, whatever your plans for yourself and as a church, whatever your sense of calling and wherever you are in your own discipleship of Jesus, what it means for you to follow him, let's not forget where it begins for Jesus and so for us. As beloved children of God, beloved children of God. As Luke has made clear earlier in the chapter, John's baptism is a sign of new creation. John appears as a prophet, a sign of renewal and restoration, both in his location, the River Jordan, and in his message. Forgiveness of sins was not not just what everyone knew they needed personally, it is what Israel needed, the people of God, because unforgiven sin was directly correlated in the consciousness of the people of God, the people of Israel, with the present very perilous state of Israel's national fortunes. They were no longer a kingdom. They were just a province of the Roman Empire, Judea, and an oppressed province at that. 
So they are filled with expectation at John's ministry, as we see in verse 15 of Luke chapter 3, where we pick it up. And it begs the question, is John the Messiah, the one we have been waiting for, the king of the Jews? It's not a question asked out loud, but John knows that it's the question in their hearts. Well, no, is the answer John gives. I'm not worthy even to serve as the Messiah's slave by removing the thong of his sandals. But he is coming. I baptise you with water, verse 16, but the one who is mightier than I is coming. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire and he'll clear the threshing floor, verse 17. The wheat he will gather into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now, I don't know about you, but I haven't done a lot of... um, (laughs) Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, threshing um, on the uh, the winnowing um, on on a floor like that. I, I have been to quite a number of farms, but it's uh, not something that I've had a lot to do with, really, um, with what happens at a, at a at a granary. But it's interesting when you think about this image of Jesus, his winnowing fork in his hand, clearing the threshing floor. The way John puts it assumes the actual process of winnowing, tossing the harvested grain into the air to allow the wind to separate the wheat from the chaff, that that whole process is completed. The only thing still to be done is to clear the threshing floor. It's not that Jesus comes and then decides about people whether they are the wheat or the chaff, whether they will be saved or not. No, that separation has already happened. All Jesus will do when he comes in judgment is acknowledge the choices people have already made. And given the earlier verses, verses 7 to 9 of the chapter, let me say it's not about taking our baptism for granted, presuming on it like the crowds gathered around John presumed on Abraham as their father. It's about trusting Christ for the inward spiritual reality for which the waters of baptism are a sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, new birth in the Spirit. John's message and his exhortations are good news for those who turn to God, for us who turn to Christ, who choose life, in other words. Yet they are also a warning partly directed towards Herod Antipas, already a king of the Jews, a shadow, no doubt, of his malevolent father, but still capable of brutal overreaction, not least to disturbing prophets like John who are making rival kingdom announcements. So as we see in verse 19, with Herod shutting up John in prison. So that little digression in verses 18 and 19... That would have been very much obvious in the, at the time for people. 
But again, that really is for later, what happens to John. Now Luke tells us, verse 21, when all the people were being baptised, Jesus was baptised too. Like the men and women of Judea and Jerusalem, Jesus too is searching for a new beginning. What John is doing is new and Jesus wants to go along with it. John is right. What you were must be done away with. Only total repentance and dedication to God can bring salvation. All four Gospels record that Jesus was baptised. It is significant. It does raise questions for people. Why did Jesus, who would not have needed repentance, be baptised? But I think it comes back to that sense of that new beginning, that sense of only total dedication to God can bring salvation and Jesus was committing to that. Luke makes the particular point, and as he was praying, heaven was opened. And I think that's part of St Luke's constant picture of Jesus, that he was a man of prayer. There's a number of times throughout the Gospel of Luke where that will be noted in, in different ways. And it's an encouragement for us, I think, to be a people of prayer. Like the other Gospel writers, Luke tells the story in quite solemn language, language, echoing the Old Testament. Heaven was opened, and as he was praying, heaven was opened. We're not talking about a little door ajar miles up in the sky there. It's more as though an invisible curtain right in front of us was suddenly pulled back and we stand in the presence of a different reality altogether. A good deal of Christian faith following Jesus' discipleship is a matter of learning to live by this different reality even when we can't see it. The prophet Isaiah's prayer might be our prayer. Isaiah 64 verse 1, O God, tear open the heavens, let me get a glimpse of you. Sometimes, at decisive moments, at climactic moments, the curtain is drawn back and we see or hear what's really going on, but most of the time we walk by faith, not by by sight. Here in Luke at this point the heavens are torn open and verse 22 and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. A dove, a sign of new life, of peace, reconciliation. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. This is how Luke makes this revelation visible and audible. This was an experience of God 
a voice, a vision, just like Israel's prophets before him. Jesus sees something, hears something, and so it begins. You are my son, Psalm 2, an old royal psalm. In Israel, the king was called Son of God, for he was the one who above all was called to represent the God God on earth and to be a model for his people in his kingly life. Moreover, when he was anointed king, the words of this psalm always rang out, You are my son, today I have begotten you. He's an ordinary mortal, a man of flesh and blood, yet he is to be called God's son on earth. And from the great prophet Isaiah, again, chapter 42, verse 1, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. These are the words of Isaiah the prophet commissioning the Messiah as the servant, the one who will suffer and die for the people and the world. So the voice is both affirming Jesus' vocation, his calling, and giving a clear reminder of where it is to lead. And Jesus hears that call. Remember earlier in Luke, in the previous chapter, he's been in the temple in his father's house and people have been amazed at how well he knows the scriptures and at his answers and so on. So he knew what he was hearing there. Jesus hears the call of God. From now on, he will be the one who has been called a child in whom God is well pleased. He has found God found himself and his work and he has experienced it all as gift. It's an experience of unspeakable joy, a vision that will accompany him all his life, his short life, and yet nothing and no one will be able to separate him from the love of God. The whole Christian gospel could be summed up in this point that when the living God looks at us, at every baptised and believing Christian, God says to us what God said to Jesus on that day, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. God sees us not as we are in ourselves, but as we are in Christ Jesus. That is the good news. It can seem impossible sometimes and I think especially to people who have never had this kind of support from their earthly parents, yet God looks at us and says, my beloved, my delight, you are my dear, dear child, with you I am well pleased. There are many people groups of people for whom we might long for that to be a reality for them, knowing themselves to be beloved children of God. So do, over this week, read that sentence slowly with your own name at the start 
and reflect quietly on God saying that to you, both at your baptism and every day since, every day to come. It's the heart of the Christian gospel and be praying for the people for whom you long that they know that truth, that they feel that truth as well. It's true for one simple but very profound reason. Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, and the Messiah represents his people. What is true of him is true of us. The word Messiah or Christ in the Greek means the anointed one and Luke is telling us how Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit, marked out as God's son. The Messiah is called God's son and yes, Jesus was God's son in a deeper sense but it is because Jesus was and is Messiah that God says to us, his first disciples and his disciples today, what he said to Jesus at his baptism. And the genealogy, genealogy, I never know how to pronounce that, the genealogy, the family tree, which follows in Luke, that goes straight after, and we think is, we think, well, why is it there? Well, at least I do as a Western Christian. I never really spend a lot of time on those. But actually, they're important. And in Luke, it is really only reinforcing that point because in Luke, the genealogy, if you notice there, stretches back to God, to the creation of the world. A way of saying that though Jesus is indeed, yes, the Messiah of Israel, the other meaning of Son of God, he is so precisely for the whole world, all creation, the whole human race will benefit from what Jesus has come to do. Last week we heard Matthew saying, listen to the whole story. Think about what it meant for Jesus to be the true king of the Jews and then come to him by whatever route you can and with the best gifts of your life you can find. Today, together the baptism story and the family tree which follows, I think we hear Luke saying where Jesus has come from, who he is, and where he is going. And as we make his story our own in our own prayers, following the example of Jesus as a person of prayer, a man of prayer, as we make his story our own in our own prayers and more than anything else in our baptism, we are baptised into Christ, we too should expect both the fresh energy of the Spirit and the quiet voice which reminds us of God's amazing, affirming love and of the path of vocation which lies ahead. Let's be praying we will be able to discern the way of love. Let's be praying we will be able to discern how to show, how to share God's amazing affirming love with others.